start with the set-aside prayer. God, please set aside everything I think I know about you, God, the steps, recovery, the big book, what's best for me, what's best for others. Especially help me let go of all my old ideas so I can live on your spiritual truths. Heavenly Father, have mercy on me. Help me to carry your message today, tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we finished Bill's story, but um, I want to read the last two pages again, if that's okay, because I kind of rushed through it uh, last Wednesday. And Bill's story is just great. I mean, a lot of people don't read it, but I don't know how he could actually sit down and write it except with the help of God. And it's the words are sparse and, well, they're succinct, and it's very clear one idea to the other. So he's in the hospital, and then over the next few days, he works the steps with Abby. He has this spiritual experience. He goes to the doctor, and then he realizes that he can help other alcoholics. So he went from being totally self-centered, dying, to being to carry the message within a period of weeks. And I think that was necessary to carry him through these times, because he didn't meet Dr. Bob for six months. And uh, on page 15, he says, my wife and I abandoned ourselves. Notice the word, how he talks about abandoning ourselves. That's in the big book several times, right? We read how it works. With enthusiasm to the idea of helping other alcoholics to a solution of their problems. It was fortunate for my old business associates remained skeptical for a year and a half during which time I found little work. In fact, I don't think he ever really worked again. He worked and carried the message. And uh, I was not too well at the time and was, and you can look at the history of that and how he got a house bought for him so that he could do his AA work and all that. And, and then eventually they moved the stepping stones, him and his wife, and they have a, like a museum there uh, of AA history. That's in New York, that's outside the city. He writes, I was not too well at the time. He's newly, newly uh, recovered and was plagued by waves of self-pity and resentment. Can you imagine? Waves of it. This sometimes nearly drove me back to drink, why? because he's back in self. When he has self-pity and resentment, he's back in self, and God can't work in a mind that's blocked from him, right? And that's why we watch all the time for self-pity and resentment, and ask God that wants to remove it so he can work in our lives. Now, I can't remove my own self-pity and resentment. I need God's help. And so, and he says, this sometimes nearly drove me back to drink, but I soon found that when all other measures failed, work with another alcoholic would save the day. This was his experience. This was his testimony. And I can tell you, working with other alcoholics, talking to them, even having them call me every day, especially now that I'm retired, it keeps me connected with uh, other alcoholics. And when you're working with another alcoholic, how does that save the day? Because you're you're of service to him and God, and you're not get out of self. And that's why it's always important to be doing that. Many times I've gone to my old hospital in despair, but
but on talking to a man there, I would be amazingly lifted up and set on my feet. Doesn't say that what happened to the other guy. Sometimes uh, they don't get a lifted up or set on their feet, but it helps me. And I have to remember that. Uh, I've tried to work with, I don't know how many, how many people in the last 15 years of doing this meeting. And I still connect with some, and I don't know how a lot of them are doing, but I do know it's helped me a lot. And it is a design for living that works in rough going. And that's really the 12 steps. That's the program of recovery. A design for living which was better than my design for living. My design for living got me a wristband and I made so many bad decisions and full of shame and guilt. And this design for living, I really feel pretty good. And it works in rough going. It works even if your son dies. And it, it works if we do it. And then, so it's a design for living. And the reason why it works is because it's not my design. And, and a lot of people, I ask them when I meet them, they're new, I ask them their plan and they give me the usual, they've got some plan. And I said, well, let me know. If that doesn't work, we've got a plan. And I, I'm still waiting for somebody to come up to me and say, you know, I really need help. What do I need to do? I don't think that's happened in 15 years. I don't think anybody's ever really done that. I think Nate, Nate did, he's not here tonight. He said, I need help, I need a sponsor, I need you to help me. And somebody have done that, but a lot of them uh, just, you know, Bill was desperate, I was desperate. When I asked Cliff to be my sponsor, I was, I was really, it was only just out of treatment and I was a mess, I had so many things going on and I don't know why I asked this older guy who, uh, to help me. But something told me to do that. And his wife had actually sent him there because she knew I was going to go because she worked for the medical society. I didn't know that for years. You know, I'm not that bright. I don't notice things my wife says. But I said to him, and this was shortly before he died, I said, did Mary Ann send you there that day? He said, well, of course. And that was the hand of God. And he, he kept me going uh, for the first few years connected with him, called him every day. We commence to make many fast friends and a fellowship has grown among us, of which it is a wonderful thing to feel a part. Now, remember, uh, there weren't many people, but they had a fellowship, a fellowship of the spirit, of people seeking God together. The joy of living we really have, even under pressure and difficulty, and the joy they're talking about is this inner peace this inner peace that we have that I couldn't get from any drugs or alcohol. And I get that here with God. And I've seen hundreds of families set their feet in the path that really goes somewhere. Now, I didn't comment on that. I set my feet my whole life on the path that went nowhere. You get it? I mean, I had a path that I went down and I thought it was a good path because I, my intentions were good. I wanted to manage the world so I would feel okay. But it didn't work. And this is, this is the path that goes somewhere. It goes to God and a relationship with God. And, and I have to get off my path all day long and get back onto God's path. 
and have seen the most impossible domestic situations righted, feuds and bitterness of all sorts wiped out. And you know, the more you're in the program, the program, not the fellowship, the more you're doing the program, you're gonna hear about families and all sorts of crap going on with these resentments and people don't get along and this and that and you just, it's so unnecessary. There are no resentments that are really necessary. None. They just harm me, and then they harm others. And, but I've seen feuds and bitterness of all sorts wiped out in some in my life. I've seen men come out of asylums and have resumed a vital place in the lives of their families and communities. I've seen people in here who were dying. They couldn't stay sober. They were just at the end, and then something clicked, finally. And they're years sober now. They send me pictures of their coins. and I had nothing to do with it. It was all God. And it says, business and professional men have regained their standing. There's scarcely any form of trouble and misery which has not been overcome among us. And that's true. And we do it together, right? And when my son died, there were people from AA. When I got back from the ER, there were four or five people from AA at my house. How'd that happen? One of the guys who met me there was a good friend, and then he had called some others. And I wasn't alone that uh, next four or five days. And it was, uh, it was powerful when I think back on it. Um, in one Western city, this was Akron and its environs, there are 1,000 of us in our families. I think that was an exaggeration, you know, how they like to exaggerate. And maybe that was Cleveland, too. In Cleveland, they had the first A group, but I don't think they had 1,000 members. It says, we meet frequently so that newcomers may find the, the fellowship they seek. So we want to have a fellowship that someone will seek to be part of. And Remind yourself of that when you're at a meeting. That's why sometimes it's good to be in a small group that meets regularly and you're in fellowship of the Spirit together. Nowadays we have a lot of discussion meetings at noon where people come and go and this and that, and that's good, not good or bad, but we want the newcomers will find the fellowship they seek. <coughs> now a lot of times they come here and they don't even know what fellowship they need to seek, right? especially today. And so when we, when the new person comes, we have to make ourselves available to reach out to them, not pass around what they do in Topeka is they get the schedule and everybody writes their number on there. And I don't think anybody's ever called anybody on that. But, but uh, you need to get their number and call them, you see, because uh, that's the nature of the disease. They're not gonna wanna reach for help. Now, uh, you don't nag them or anything, but you make the first move. Sometimes they will call you first, but a lot of times you have to call them. Can't hurt, right? And if not seeking, if the person's not seeking, he's not going to find this. Remember it says, we're seeking God. And can you find him now? And if you're not seeking God, you, I don't think we can help you. And why do we need to seek God? Because he has all power. And I've learned that we learned that we're powerless and I need someone to manage my life 
and be my director. It says we are growing in number and power. And there's power in here because there's God working here right now. I believe that. And we want to make use of that power to help each other. And the alcoholic in his cup, self-pity, is an unlovely creature. Anybody agree with that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I used to love self-pity. Anybody else? It was great. I mean, boy, poor me. Look at what, how they're treating me, and I've tried so hard. Uh, it's just horrible. Our, our struggles with them are variously strenuous, comic, and tragic. I can say that that's really true. One poor chap committed suicide in my home, and I didn't comment on this. It says he could not or would not see our way of life. Where is that read at every meeting? There are those who cannot and will not completely give themselves, completely give themselves to this simple program. Why? Because they're constitutionally incapable. Something wrong with them that they can't, don't have the capacity to be honest about their situation. They can't see the truth in their mind of how bad their situation is to do anything about it. And that's why people die. Because they tell, we tell ourselves it's not that bad. Or we have a plan. And then we don't give up on ourselves. And so that's, that's the disease. There is, however, a vast amount of fun. Uh, and I wrote here, we have power together. Growing in numbers and power, we have power together. It says, uh, uh, there's a vast amount of fun about all. I suppose some would be shocked at our seeming worldliness and levity. You know, we laugh at things that people tell about their stories or situations, and we think they're pretty funny. But other people say, well, what are they laughing about? But we, we're laughing because we identify, and we've been in the same situation. And we love each other. But just underneath there is a deadly earnestness, deadly earnestness. What does it say? Uh, uh, we earnestly ask you to give yourself completely to the simple program, right? Beg. Beg? No, I know what it means, but deadly earnestness, that means serious. We're very serious about this. We're earnest. This is really important to us. Now here is faith has to work 24 hours a day in and through us or we perish. So the faith has to work 24 hours a day in, and then the faith in us works through us. Remember it says in fear, we want to let God, get down, God, let God dem I'm getting like, what's his name? We're going to let God demonstrate through us what he can do, right? And then we're going to stay close to him and we ask him to remove our fears. And why? Because if I'm not, if, if, if I'm not doing the work, then my faith dies. And the faith in AA is the power, the relationship with God. We start with belief, but we get faith. We get true faith and trust in God. And if we don't trust in God and we start trusting in ourselves, we're in trouble and we perish. We die spiritually and then we can die physically and mentally. Most of us feel we need to look no further for utopia. We have it with us right here and now. Each day, my friend's simple talk in our kitchen multiplies itself in the widening circle of peace on earth and goodwill to men. So ask yourself, are, you, are we at peace, a peace on earth and God to each other? Are we, a, are we a peace on earth and goodwill to each other? And 
That's a good question. So ask yourself, and we need to be at peace with each other and goodwill. And we have a lot of uh, gossiping in AA, and we talk about each other because we're human beings, but we want to be love and tolerance. And I like that, a widening circle of peace on earth and goodwill to heaven. This needs to be a safe place for people to come when they're dying of alcoholism, right? They need to be able to talk here and it needs to be a safe place. So that's some thoughts I had, those two pages. And now I'm just gonna cover one page and there's a solution. Because Joe and Charlie say page 17 is the page that all newcomers and really all A members must understand. They say it's the most important page in the book. Now the title of it is their solution because you just read about Bill and he, he was a mess and then what happened to him and then you read doctor's opinion and now they want the new person who's reading this, you or me, that, that there is a solution to this. Isn't that something? I have a hopeless condition of mind and body but it's only seemingly because there is a solution. And I'm not hopeless anymore. I have access to God. And he's trying to get people to read more because he's trying to do a sales job. He's a salesman. And he's trying to sell, using this book to sell people and the ideas that are contained in it because he knows from his experience it'll save their lives. Why am I so passionate about the big book? Because this is a life-saving treasure map to God. And I don't know of any other. You can get on the internet and see all sorts of recovery programs and they have all these treatment centers and all this stuff, but I know that these first 88 pages can save someone's life if they do everything in it and they keep doing it. And I, I, I prove me wrong. Do it and tell me, it's, tell me it doesn't work. So he's, uh, he's selling the program now we of Alcoholics Anonymous know thousands of men and women who were once just as hopeless as Bill. Now, in the beginning, it was hundreds. They had one woman show up right when the book went to print, and she became uh, um, really a leader in in the uh, world of alcoholism, uh, Marty Mann, and she actually was the first, when the government started the National Council on Alcoholism, she was on that council. Thousands of men and women who are just as hopeless as Bill. Now remember, Bill's story is a story of hope, of salvation. And he was hopeless, and then look what happened to him. And nearly all have recovered. Not everybody, but nearly all have recovered. Now recovered means you're not hopeless anymore. You have access to God. Recovered means you're not dominated by the thought of drinking all the time. And you have a relationship with a power that says, you know, that's not a great idea today. And you have someone guiding you, and it's not you. So recovered is a fragile, it's not permanent. Remember, we're not cured, we have a daily reprieve, which means stay of execution based on my spiritual condition. So recovered just means that I'm in in fit spiritual condition. But as you're well aware, we can get out of fit spiritual condition pretty quickly. But that's why it's important to live in the world of the spirit in 10 and 11 and continue to do the, these actions and prayer meditation all the time. 
They have solved the drink problem. Now, I disagree with this because I think it should be God has solved the drink problem. They have solved the problem, but who really solves it? God. Now, they've solved it because they've allowed God to work because they've taken the actions to solve it, to allow God to work. But we can't take credit. I can't take credit for my sobriety. I have to give the credit for God. The only thing I can take credit for is following the directions and seeking God all the time. Because God's the one who gives me the power of choice over alcohol, right? Not me. I don't have it. And God's the one who can manage my life. Anybody try managing your life after you've been sober? Well, how's that going? Uh, no, that doesn't work very well. We are average Americans. All sections of this country, many of its occupations are represented. It's true. There are people in this room that I've known a long time never would have met if I was an alcoholic. And it was a gift to be able to meet these people and have them work in my lives. Political, economic, social, and religious backgrounds. Doesn't matter your politics here. Doesn't matter your economic situation. Social, religious background. We are people who normally would not mix. But there exists among us a fellowship, a friendliness, and understanding which is indescribably wonderful. And we want to get that across to the new person. That here's a place where we have a friendliness and understanding which is indescribably wonderful. And then he's going to use an example of what that's like. And they, they traveled by passenger ship in those days. They didn't fly across the world. They went by ship. And uh, everybody saw the movie Titanic. Well, I don't know anymore because I'm so old. That movie was like 23 years ago, but everybody watched it at that time. It was a pretty good movie. We were like the passengers of a great liner the moment after rescue from shipwreck. So we are people who are right at the moment when we were shipwrecked. Now, I was shipwrecked because I hit the iceberg. And it was good that I was shipwrecked, because if I wasn't shipwrecked, I wouldn't be here tonight. Now, the problem is, I had to see I was shipwrecked. So I would get into the boat. And we have a lifeboat. And we offer it to people, but they don't want to get in the boat, because they don't think they're shipwrecked yet. And so this is really powerful. Like the passengers of a great liner, the moment after rescue from shipwrecked, we all hit the iceberg. We wouldn't have come here. Now, some hit the iceberg, come here and say, well, that wasn't that bad. You know, I, I, I made it out. I'll, let's do it again. And, and uh, uh, we do that. But I don't want to forget how bad it was when I hit the iceberg. And I'm in the water. And it's freezing, and I'm dying, and somebody comes with a boat. And that's like your first step. You don't want to ever forget how bad it was in the water. You don't want to forget how bad it was. And then what do we? We offer the reed. A flimsy reed becomes the hand of God. It says that on page 28. We were drowning, and with the desperation of a drowning man, we reached out the flimsy reed became the powerful hand of God. 
And so all you have to do is reach out and grab it. You don't have to worry, is it good enough, or do you like it, or this and that. You're drowning. You're shipwrecked. Grab the reed. And then when camaraderie, joyousness, and democracy pervade the vessel from steerage to captain's table. Now, in those days, I went on the Queen Elizabeth II a long time ago, oh, 40 years ago or so. Who knows? It was a long time ago. And, in the, and it's, a, it's been retired, but it was built like in the 50s. And it had the, the upper class, and they had their own dining room. And then the lower class said you couldn't go from the stairways from the lower class to the upper class. So the rich guys used to have their mistresses down in the lower class. That's what I was told. So they could go down there, nobody would know. And uh, so they didn't met. And if you noticed, if you saw the movie Titanic, they had animals down there. And you know the people were just desperate trying to get to America. And then you had the upper crust. And the captain's table was the top of the top. They were the, the, the who's who on the ship. And, but it's, it's camaraderie, joyousness, and democracy pervade. So it didn't matter whether you were in steerage when you were in the water, did it? It didn't matter if you were at the captain's table the night before, you're in the water. And we just have that camaraderie together. Do you see how powerful that is? That's true, right? We don't ask you how much money you made when you were shipwrecked, did we? We don't care. You know, we don't care what your education level is or this and that. We just love each other. We're here together. We all have the same. We're all, we're all, we're all none of us are better than anybody else. Now, here's the key. Unlike the feelings of the ship's passengers, however, and our joy in escape from disaster does not subside as we go our individual ways. So they showed, now there were several things about the Titanic. The people from the captain's table, they went in their boat and they didn't want people from steerage coming into their lifeboat. Can you imagine that? And then uh, somebody said, you know, come on. And so uh, that was very powerful. We don't deny anybody access here, do we? Uh, we're not better than anybody else. And so we, we have broken those bonds in AA. Um, but in the movie, they get to shore and they're all hugging each other and then they go their separate ways and they never see each other again. But that doesn't happen with us. Um, the feeling of having shared in a common peril, we were all in the water, right? Is one element in that powerful cement that binds us. So when an alcoholic works, walks in here, we have a pretty good idea of what's happened in his life and where he's at. He doesn't really need to tell us. We know it's not good. And we can relate because he was shipwrecked. And we have a common peril, but that's the only one thing that binds us. So this is the key thing that I think a lot of people in AA miss today. That element that we were all shipwrecked and we got in the boat and we're all here at the table tonight, that's great. But that in itself is not gonna hold us together. And that's the key. We can be in here, we can all be alcoholics, we can all have had a mess of our lives, we can all be here together sharing in fellowship and camaraderie, it's not gonna hold us together. And you see that. You see it in meetings, people come and go, they come and go. Why? Why? Because the tremendous fact, not just the fact, but the tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution 
It's the solution that keeps us together. It's the common peril that brings us here. But the common peril won't keep us here because we'll repeat it. Anybody do that? Yes. I did it. We have a, we have a common solution. And, and you have to discover it to stay here. That's the key. You can come here and be part of the table and share in the p common peril, but if you don't do the solution, it's not going to hold you here. And that's why people come and go. They don't do the directions in the book. Now, one of the reasons why I started this meeting is I thought the reason they don't do it is because nobody's taught it. So I tried to teach it, and now I've recorded it. And somebody wants to listen, maybe it'll help them. But this is the solution that they had. This is their testimony. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree. They were going to name the book The Way Out, but there were so many way outs copyrighted at the time that they... But that's what this is. This is a way out of a hopeless condition of mind and body. And it's the solution that gives you the way out. The common peril just gets you here. You see the difference? I'm hammering this point, but it's so important to remember coming here and being willing. And, uh, unless you do the common solution, you don't have the cement that's going to bind you. And what does the cement bind you? To God. See, we're, we're bound together and then we want to use that to bind me to my higher power and Tava to God and Hunter to God as he understands it. And not only do we have a way out in which we can absolutely agree, we should never argue about whether we agree with the steps or not. If you don't, don't do them. But if you do them, you'll agree. Upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. So we, we do the steps together, we do the action together, we do the common solution, but we have to do it. And it says, this is the great news this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. We have a common peril, that's the fellowship, but the common solution is the 12 steps. It's the way out. It's a way out of my bondage to self to a life with God. And in a harmonious action, we should not be bickering. We should not be critical of each other. Harmonious action. So we have the common peril, we're shipwrecked. But that just brings us to the table. To stay here and to get the benefits, we have to do the common solution. And I need that cement. And, and we, it's, we can't do it alone. That's the other thing that they're saying here. We have to do it together. So a new person needs to come here and find someone who's going to help them through this so they can have the common solution. And so I think that page is really pretty powerful. And um, you can see why Joe and Charlie said this is a page that everyone has to understand, especially new people. And we talk a lot about the fellowship and the fellowship is good. The fellowship has become everything. Or people say, I'm in the program or whatever it is. You're not in the program. You either work the program or not. You can be in the fellowship, but if you're not working the steps, then you don't have the common cement that's going to bind you. And so we, we confuse them. And a lot of people don't want to use the word recovered. Well, you want to be recovered, because that means you have the 
the solution. You have a way out on which you can agree. You have a relationship with God. Now, it's fragile. You can lose it. So if you, if you think that you're shipwrecked and you're here and you stop doing the, the solution, guess what happens? You get shipwrecked again. And it's subtle because the shipwreck doesn't happen overnight to us when we're here. It's subtle. We, the ego rebuilds and it, it gets power over us. And then before you know it, we're in the water and we say, how the hell did that happen? <laughs> but that's this disease. So you have to use the common peril to keep you constantly seeking the solution. And I'm glad that I still am a seeker today. So I went a little over tonight, don't tell in New York. And that was a joke. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop here. We'll pick up when there's a solution more on Saturday. Thank you. <laughs>